Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 42 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication practices. Uh, so today I'm with two of my students, Laura and Stavros, and they want to talk about charisma today. So um, we'll be talking about that and the relationship between charisma and communication practices. Some people think that charisma is just this natural inborn thing that people have, but in our classes, we like to talk about it as a product of specific communication practices. So welcome, Laura and Stavros. And so what do you want to tell us about charisma today? Hey, Rob. So like you said, a lot of people think that charisma is something that just naturally occurs. Um, And so we kind of want to discuss the different aspects of communication that kind of make up how charisma can can be produced. Um, So in the class that we've been taking with Rob for the last year, we've gone through a bunch of different communication uh, practice and communication um, sections. And so we've talked about uh, interpersonal communication, small communication, uh, writing, we've talked about uh, public speaking, and we've talked about leadership. And so all these things kind of make up what charisma is. Uh, The class is actually called uh, leadership communication. And so what we kind of want to go with is that all these different things kind of lead up to what makes charisma and what makes a good leader, these different kinds of communication styles. Uh, so to start off with the interpersonal communication side of things, um, having charisma in that aspect is you know being able to be an active listener, uh, telling good stories, um, being able to communicate with people and, and make them know what, what they're feeling and, and get the effect that you want to get on that person. Okay, let, let, let's stop there for a second. So yep. rewind for a minute. Okay. So the link that we're trying to establish here is that charisma is a result of a feeling that someone else gets about another person. So um, it's not just an IQ or a measurement of some internal property of one person. It's something we identify that one person has because of some way that that one person made us or a group of people feel in a particular way. So what you just described there in terms of interpersonal practices were some set of interpersonal communication uh, abilities that produce in another person a feeling and that that feeling can be traced back to something we would identify as the person having uh, the original person that, that elicited those feelings having charisma. So what we talk about in class is, is that kind of circuit, that ability of one person to affect another, whether it's through interpersonal practices or something else, and the result of that process being the presence of this strong, effective feeling that one has about another person. So, uh, okay, so that's, I just want to add some context, Davros, to what you're describing in, in interpersonal ways. So go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Rob. So yeah, that's that's kind of what we're going for is that the effect that you have on the other person that you're talking to, whether it's like you said, it's a group or an individual, um, is really what kind of identifies, well, what someone can identify as being charismatic. Um, and so in terms of interpersonal, like I said, those things can really have great effects on people. And then in turn, those people kind of start categorizing you as charismatic. And so uh, in terms of small group communication, you can look at things like um, a lot of people that are good leaders in a small group situation also are good followers and they kind of they, they know how to follow, and in that way, they kind of then get drawn, people get drawn to them 
um, in terms of them being a leader. They know how to facilitate the conversations um, and have certain effects on people that make people want to follow them uh, and make people want to listen to what they're saying and for them to lead those commu- those conversations as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. The person that comes to mind for me is, well, you guys are too young for this, but Bill Clinton was notorious for uh, his ability to empathize with others. And even in, it didn't matter if it was an interpersonal setting or a public speech or a small group setting, somehow he made other people feel like he was, he really heard what they had to say. Um, And that, I don't know if it was a product of active listening necessarily or what the specific communication practice was, but the manufacturing of empathy there um, made some people, I think that Bill, Bill Clinton had this kind of charisma to him. So that's one example, I think, of that process. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important to note that charisma is a product of emotion. Um, so when you implement communication practices that are most closely related to the emotion of a person, um, you directly link that to a natural charisma. Um, but it's not a natural charisma as much as a communication practice being enacted and practiced a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Small group is that. I mean, in terms of writing, writing's probably in, in terms of, uh, for myself anyways, one of the ones that's most hard to identify uh, with charisma anyways. And so, uh, but in terms of writing, you know, what, what Laura and I discussed was that it kind of, it kind of goes in terms of what you're communicating and how you're talking and how you're communicating in that, in that uh, text. And so when you're writing to someone, whether it's an email, whether it's um, you're writing a speech, something like that, kind of getting the vocabulary that you want to be put in there in terms of the person that you're talking to and, and trying to relate to them in that way so that you're having a different effect on the person depending on how you're using the vocabulary that you have at your disposal. That's kind of vague. Okay, let, let's, the, the, <laughs> I'm, I'm not satisfied with that as an explanation. So the, the question before us is, can writing demonstrate charisma? And if so, how could it do that? Um, and I think the underlying question, so Laura, what, what you said is, remember that this is about emotions. So the other part of that question is, can writing affectively make us feel drawn to the writer? Um, and there are lots of examples yeah. of writers with charisma. Hemingway is the first one that comes to mind, but um, even there's a caricature of a writer, Hank Moody, on Californication, uh, and there's other writers on that show. Uh, there, I think the force of the charisma comes from the fact that the writing itself is able to capture some authentic aspect of the writer's personality. So it's an authentic representation or something that feels like an authentic representation of authorial voice that is productive of that sense of charisma. Um, and that works because I, I think there is an, when people kind of bear themselves authentically to us through words, uh, we kind of feel cl- affectively, we feel closer to them, literally. Um, so in writing, I would say it comes from the authentic representation of an author's voice and the, that affective feeling that that representation generates in an audience. And we see this frequently even in the image of the writer as the writer is portrayed in our popular culture. Um, okay, so what's what else about charisma? Uh, and so the last thing we had in terms of uh, charisma was public speaking. So the last kind of uh, the other last thing that we talked about in our class that we had throughout the year. And so in terms of public speaking, um, I feel like that's a lot of the times what charisma is most linked to, uh, how somebody can go up in front of a group of people and how they present themselves. So it's how you start the, how you start the presentation. Do you start with an attention getter? Uh, do you get people's attention straight away? 
And then when you're speaking, uh, do you maintain eye contact? The what, what effect you're having on the people? What are the word choices that you're using? All these sorts of things. And I, at least for myself, when I hear people talk about charisma, often I find it correlated and, and uh, put to public speaking as opposed to, you know, when you're talking interpersonal with somebody like somebody, just a one-on-one situation. I don't often hear charisma as often connected to that kind of communication as opposed to a public speaking situation, Um, even though I do think that you can be just as charismatic in an interpersonal situation as you can in public speaking. Uh, But public speaking, I feel, is the one that people most associate charisma to. Yeah, so there's a couple of important things here. One, you mentioned attention at the very beginning. So it is often the assumption that a person who has charisma is able to easily get and maintain an audience's attention. But the process of getting and maintaining an audience's attention is actually the product of mostly public speaking skills, specific things we at least teach in our public speaking classrooms. Um, So that's an achievement of a communication practice. Uh, the, The other thing that you were mentioning there at the end, I think, is the fact that in public speaking settings, the thing that happens is that one person is able to affect many people immediately and powerfully because bodies are present and there are many bodies present. So unlike interpersonal communication where you might be able to affect one person or small groups where it might be 8, 10, 12 maybe, in a public speaking setting there's already a large audience of physically present people. And so even unlike writing, which takes place mostly, or reading takes place mostly in private, uh, you have that immediacy to impact, powerfully impact a large group of people. And, but again, the ability to powerfully impact a large group of people is a product of communication practices. The, it's the product of the structure of your, your message, your ability with specific techniques. Um, it is the case that I think people with charisma have more, uh, maybe more courage or a greater willingness to try out or to uh, do things in public speaking settings that others might be too shy or too nervous to, to try out. Uh, but the structural feature of the situation Uh, is such that you have the possibility of affecting, emotionally affecting lots of others. So that often leads to the assumption that that person has charisma. But you can't get and maintain attention without specific rhetorical practices already in place. And you um, you can't profoundly impact or affect large numbers of people also without specific practices already already in place. Uh, so go ahead. So I think that confidence is one of the things that you just spoke about that is really important within charisma. Um, and while we have to use different communication practices, one of them is just being confident in knowing your communication practices to be able to kind of, in a roundabout way, um, make charisma happen. Um, so I think overall, an example that we can give to kind of show the leadership that has to come out of the confidence and charisma a person um, is showing is um, one of our supervisors. Um, His name is Jack. He is someone who is very charismatic in character. Um, And he draws people in even through walking through hallways, um, but also in meetings, like in every situation, he he draws charisma and brings charisma wherever he goes. And I think it's important to note that that charisma comes from wanting to have an interpersonal relationship with each person, um, but also showing that he is in control and is confident um, in his role. Um, And I think the duplicity of having both of those qualities um, makes him a charismatic person. So, yeah, okay, confidence comes... So the the question uh, for me is always less about is a person confident, but how is confidence communicated? 
Um, and one thing we know is that uh, confidence is often communicated non-verbally. So when a person is confident or has self-confidence in their own position, that manifests itself in their body non-verbally. And this is just what we were talking about in the last episode also with compliance triggers. That nonverbal communication circuit is stimulus effect, stimulus effect. So uh, a person's embodiment of the state of confidence will have a direct impact or direct effect on an audience. And that audience won't necessarily cognitively or consciously think through that effect. They'll just be responsive to that confidence uh, because the nonverbal sign or signal is affecting the audience uh, in a direct sort of way, unmediated kind of way. So um, confidence is great because if internally you feel that state non-verbally, you impact your audience by communicating that directly to that, that audience. If you don't feel confident internally, uh, then you may be communicating the opposite to your audience, which will be destructive of charisma. Of course, we can short circuit that whole process and just um, try to communicate confidence non-verbally, even if you don't feel it internally. Uh, and that can still work to kind of portray or cultivate some degree of charisma or have others recognize a person is in possession of charisma because of the power of the, the nonverbal communication circuits. That's a fancy way for me to say fake it till you make it. Um, that's really kind of important to me. I think that um, a lot of the time natural leaders, especially in group settings, um, they be are just another member of the group and then naturally people are drawn to um, how they can organize and facilitate good group conversation and storytelling um, so everybody can have the best result come out of the meeting whether it's they need physical results or if they're learning something new um, and I think that we have to stress all the time um, that there is a difference between um, being good at facilitating meetings and conversations um, than charisma, but it's also part of our um, person in charisma that makes it important for us to facilitate those meetings um, and make them productive. Okay, so any final summarizing words from well, either? Yeah, one thing that I think is important to know, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, Rob, is that you're always communicating something, right? Is, is there's always something to be done, whether it's nonverbal, whether it's you're, you're talking about something. Um, you know, there's always something that's that's being communicated to your audience, whether it's interpersonally, public speaking. Um, you're always you're always doing something. So I think, in terms of charisma, um, and that confidence that we've been speaking of, a lot of times that confidence I would think comes from you knowing that you have a decent understanding and and grasp of all these other communications practices that we've been talking about that we've been learning in your class for the past year. Um, as you gain kind of uh, competency with those different practices, it's easier and easier to become more confident in situations because you know that you can draw upon those practices yeah. um, and you know use different things to kind of get things going. I think that's right. I think that's a really important point. So uh, what I try to say and, and what I think the key message here is that if you see someone who you think possesses charisma, it's not the case that they just have some internal special thing like they're have a glowing rock inside them that gives them charisma. It's because they have mastered, at the very least, a couple of communication practices. And by mastery of communication practices, I mean they're able to rely on or use those practices to deeply affect or impact audiences 
all kinds of audiences. So even, or you gave the example of someone that's always drawing other people in, someone you know that's always drawing other people in, or people are always recognizing that person has charisma. Odds are it's because that person has mastered, uh, and it could be quite a small number of communication practices that have those powerful effects. And when someone gets really good at a broad range of communication practices, then regardless of the circumstance or situation, you can always draw on those practices to use or deploy in those circumstances. And lots and lots and lots of audiences will be responsive to you in, in different ways and will recognize you as having charisma. The best way to start to cultivate it, though, is to just master one or two of communication practices in um, maybe three in, in different settings and then use them frequently enough to build one's confidence, but also to impact audiences when you know that those practices can impact audiences. Um, so charisma is really the pro a product of that for me, a product of mastery over specific communication practices, and that mask and that mastery involves the kind of deep and lasting impact that those specific practices can have on on audiences. Uh, okay, any final words from either of you, Laura Stavros? Nothing but stunned silence. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, overall, charisma is going to um, affect you in your daily life. Um, so really drawing forward and bringing out those communication practices is quite important. Okay, great. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, I'll be back with one. I have only one final episode with my students left, and then I will go back to making episodes all on my own. Uh, so one more with my students, and then back to back to myself so thanks everyone for listening